What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 8 to 14, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 17th year of marriage. So yeah, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood. And I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fatherhood matters. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace the fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is Mitch Case, and we have an incredible conversation around a big career change he made just months ago. Mitch was working a successful corporate job and had a realization about what he wanted in life and what changes he felt he needed to make to be the most present father he could be. Mitch and I get into the weeds discovering how and when to make big moves as a father. Enjoy this conversation, and if you do, please take a moment to write a review and share it with another father. It's up to you and I to spread the word that fatherhood matters. Welcome to another episode of Fatherhood Field Notes. Super stoked to be hanging out with my new friend, Mitch. Mitch, what's up? Oh, not a lot, man. I just got the boys down for a little nap right now, and I'm super stoked to get to talk to you about fatherhood and the things that we're pretty passionate about. Heck yeah, man. Our our, our good mutual friend, Froomey, um, had connected us, and uh, yeah. you're out in Kansas City, and I'm stoked just to talk fatherhood and kind of check in, dig into where you're at in life. And uh, I know that I and all the dudes listening will grow from this conversation. Love it. I'm excited. I'm cool. excited. All right, so let's jump into the, some initial questions here. Um, how old are you today? I just turned 33 back on November 3rd. Okay, happy birthday. Not the, too the long Scotty, ago. The Scotty Pippen day. I, I so badly wanted to have a Scotty Pippen birthday party, but COVID didn't let me have other people over to my house. <laughs> Did you do it by yourself? I, I wish, man. <laughs> I still need to go get that jersey. That's awesome. And then how many years have you been married? We've been married for five years. Nice. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then you got two boys, two boys. So we've got a three and a half year old Dean and a six month old Vinny. Nice. Dean and Vinny. Yeah. I like it. I yeah. like it. Yeah. Um, it plans to have more still on the table. What's so up? my wife has been a dancer since she was about three years old. And I think she's always had it in her mind that there'd be a little ballerina running around this house. Okay. So we, we had two boys and you know, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I, I really wanted a girl too. So we're definitely going to go for three and, and whatever we, uh, whatever God gives us, we'll be extremely happy about, but we definitely need to try for three just to see if we can have that girl. Yeah. Otherwise you're going to have one boy who's just a really good dancer, which is also fine. Hey, if he can get out there and do a little hip hop, a little ballet, you do what he wants. Hey, yeah, man. I mean, get to go travel with a bunch of beautiful women and um, hold them up in the air. That doesn't sound like a bad deal. No, he would be really good at it too. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, cool. So married five years, young kids. Um, as you've kind of stepped into this realm of being a father, what has been some good resources to you um, as you've stepped into this fatherhood role the past few years? You know, having some other people around me has always been really, really amazing just to kind of watch how other people have um, kind of balanced their career and their family life at the same time. You know, I grew up with a, a father that was very present. He was always at all of my baseball games. Mm. Um, you know, I was very blessed and he was a, a Christian man. So I would definitely say that my father was somebody that 
Um, I really mimic who I am as a father to my boys. But, you know, I was, you know, when we met Ned, I was kind of in a, a position where I was, there was a lot of things going up in the air and I was really struggling with where I was at from my career perspective, uh, being more in the corporate world. And, you know, when Frumi had introduced us, I had been talking about, you know, this idea of wanting to be more present with my boys. And she had mentioned your book and got us connected. And when you sent that to me, I, I, as honest as I can be, man, it was really, really grounding in helping me realize exactly what final decision I needed to make for myself to be to be that father that I want to be for my kids. Mm. So uh, reading through your book, I, I think I blazed through that thing in about a day and a half, two days, because it was just it was so point on with all the different scenarios of what you need to go through. And one of the ones that really was was powerful for me was loving your wife mm. um, to be that better father. So yeah, you had a huge piece in uh, kind of what what I need to think about as I kind of grow into this father, because I'm still a young father. I'm, I'm learning and I'm failing every day and figuring out what I can do better each and every day. But yeah, definitely my father has been a huge uh, piece of who I am as a father, but um, finding other resources like your book, Ned, has been a huge, huge help. Man, I appreciate that. That means a ton to me. Um, I never thought I'd be an author or do any of this stuff, but it's like similar to you. I've in the, in a, I mean, I'm still in the business world, you know, but just finding a lot of identity in that and, and kind of missing the opportunity I had in my home. So to know that other dudes are kind of on that same path and that I can together, like together we could all be on that journey of rebelling against, you know, whatever the world says our identity should be and, and create this life we were designed for is like super rad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Love it. Cool. And then, so what's up with your, your relationship with your dad now? Does he live close to you? So they live about two, two and a half hours away and they are extremely involved in my boy's life. Uh, my, really cool. my dad had a, a, a story with his father that, that wasn't the best, mm. um, you know, getting into the details with that. My, my dad, um, he was one of three boys and his father ended up leaving his, his mom and his brothers and him at a pretty young age. Uh, I think my dad was probably somewhere around 10. Um, and he just, he left and there's just this crazy story of, you know, my dad was just kind of on his own. He never really had a father figure to kind of look at. And he was at his college dorm and there was a knock on the door and they were asking for my dad. And this man was on the other side and the man was my grandpa and my dad answers the door and my grandpa asks for, you know, my dad says his name mm. out there, not realizing that he was talking to his son. Wow. And I say all of that because my dad had every reason to resent and hate or whatever, whatever harsh term you want to use. Yeah, just reject, yeah, reject him, huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the things that my dad did was forgave him. Wow. And I think that was one of the things that, you know, it, it took a lot of time. It wasn't right then and there, but um, because my dad was able to forgive his father for what he had done, I think that really framed what my dad wanted to be as a father figure in my life. But it also allowed my grandfather to be in my life, which although my grandpa made some bad decisions when he was younger, he came around and he became a man of faith. He became a wonderful husband to um, what I guess my step grandmother was, mm. and he was always in my life. And I really, really appreciated that. So the fact that my dad was able to able to overcome a scenario where he was just completely rejected and was able to forgive him like a Christ-like man, like what better way to look at somebody that's 
walked a really harsh and tough life to model that and be somebody that's not only forgiving for anything that happens to me, but just being a present father. Like that, that's something that sticks out to me about what my dad has done for me. Man, that's so powerful in multiple ways because you're talking about three generations right there. So like anybody who's listening, there's just so much that we could unpack in just that little story you share, right? Because say I'm say I'm 50 years old right now and I suck and I'm not a good dad. There's opportunity to go fix that, right? There's yes. opportunity to go restore that. Yes. Um, if you think of you know, you not having a good relationship with your own dad, there's opportunity for you to go seek restoration, even as a grown man, right? And, and then think about like all of us listening one day, we're going to have sons that are 33 years old. Right. And you might feel like, man, what I'm doing, whatever, we're hard on ourselves. The way that you're speaking about the work that your dad did and the work your grandfather did is shaping who you are today. Like Mm. the position that you're able to start from. And I don't want to use the word better, but advantageous, right? Like your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your children is starting from a more advantageous place because of the work that they did. And so how powerful to know that the work that we all do is impacting like three generations down the road or I mean more really because your boys, your boys are set up for better success because they have a foundation that was really created from you know, some failures in the past that chose restoration then chose instead of victimhood. Yeah. Wow. I've not thought about it that deep. <laughs> You're right. And that's, uh, that's incredibly powerful. Dude, mm. it's huge because it shows you like this whole idea of fatherhood. It's not about this 18 years that our little kids, you know, live in our home. It's a, it's a posture towards life. Meaning like the way that we Oh man, this question. Okay. I just did a podcast with John Eldridge, which was just like, oh my gosh, amazing (laughs) talking to this dude. And I'm reading one of his books right now, Fathered by God. And he he asked this question. The only question you need to ask yourself is, is what's life like for those in your kingdom? Dude, that's so powerful. That's powerful. Right. And so for you and I and us dudes on here to ask what's life like for those in our kingdom I mean, it's not just about this 18 years. It's about this long lasting opportunity that you and I have as fathers uh, to love and serve all that's been entrusted to us. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's uh, that, heavy. That question, it's yeah, heavy. It, it is. I'm sitting here like, man, that like that question of what is it like for others in that kingdom? Like it's got me really thinking on, you know, what are the things that I'm doing on a daily basis that, you know, can create that and, the idea, like you just bringing up the fact that this is like a generational movement that's mm-hmm. going to go into potential. Like I have the potential to create this for not only my boys, but generations to come down to their yes. potential kids, like, and who yeah. they can impact with that. Wow. Yeah. The decisions that you, like you and I are going to talk about your decision to change jobs and do some things. And, and that decision isn't just impacting this one year of your life, which I think in our culture is super hard not to just think it's super short term. You know, like we kind of think like really short term um, versus more long term. So, okay, let's, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So um, as you become a father, so I didn't tell you, I was going to ask you this, as you become a father, what has been your biggest struggle? You know, as, as far as, you know, being a, a father, the struggles that have really come forward for me is patience. Mm. That has been 
something that I, I'm somebody that's very guarded with my time. I like to know that my schedule is going to be this. And, you know, there's a, a book out there with the, uh, the Enneagram and the mindset. And I fall into this category of somebody that likes to guard their time. And when somebody throws something at me, that's not on my calendar, that's not in my plan for the day, it's really hard for me to adjust, accept and, and go with the flow. Mm-hmm. And as a young father, like, Every single day, I am just challenged with my schedule not being how I had seen it in the morning. And it doesn't yep. matter how, how, how well out I'll plan that. Um, there's always something that gets tossed in there. And being able to be patient with my, my boys and make sure that you know, I can put things aside to be that present father with them has, has been really, really challenging for me. And, and one of the things that I'm able to do you know, with my wife is just keep, kind of even ask her, like, what are the areas that you see that I can be a better father with? And like bouncing ideas off of each other through that has been a, a huge help in figuring out, you know, how can I be a more patient father? Mm. Yeah. 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 That's, that's still, it's, it's a daily challenge. That's yeah, for sure. tough. Is there anything that any tools or resources, not like, yeah, I don't know that you found have helped you when that, when that crossroads comes to be like, I'm going to be frustrated right now, or I'm just going to set this aside and go roll on the floor and wrestle with my kid. <laughs> so one of the things that has helped me, like with my engineering background, I always like to measure a lot of things. And what I've really tried to figure out and be like more self-aware of is, you know, why is it that this creates issues for me? Like, mm. let's get to the root cause of that. And ultimately, it really comes down to like productivity. I want to know that I have done a really, really good job of my my career or what my job is for that day. And a lot of times I can try and measure that through you know point systems or whatever that looks like. But I've realized that if I am able to measure and do things outside of that realm of what my schedule was supposed to look like, I can still go out and achieve these different things that tell me that I've had a productive day they're just not necessarily going to be always in that order that I had originally seen it. So being able to use that system to understand, you know, when I can actually maybe fit these things in and know that I've had a productive day based off of this nerdy scale that I've put together helps me feel productive, even though in the moment it feels like kind of like chaos, which allows me to give the peace to say, there's a wrench in my plans right now. I need to stop what I'm doing. I can always find other times to do that throughout the day. But right now, my boy needs me to come in and play. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Man, yeah. That's, 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 that's me quite a bit moving target, but, but uh, yeah, that's awesome. Cool. When you think of the role of the father, how would you describe that in just a, a sentence or two, what the role of the father is? You know, this is one of the things that I kind of had to sit on for a little bit, but you know, ultimately I really think the role of a father is just being present mm-hmm. as, as simple as that. And whether that is, is present and physically being there. But I mean, that's even going to be being present with your wife and your spouse. That's going to be present in whatever moment you're going in. Because so often, you know, we throw up that phone in front of our face to escape whatever it is we're trying to escape and not even think about it. But uh, as simple as just being present is what I'm leaning on the most as being a good father. Yeah. So how do you, how do you, or maybe you should make some suggestions the difference between just like being at the dinner table or wherever, just as an example, being at the dinner table physically, mm-hmm. but like really being at the dinner table without thinking about 
what happened at work without thinking about the bills that are paid or owed tomorrow or the the faucet that needs fixed or whatever, put it on the list, right? Yeah. Yeah. For you, how, what's the difference and how do you lean into one and the other? I almost kind of use the the same thing that my boy will use, my three-year-old. He is in that why phase right now, just asking why, Mm. why, 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 and almost kind of just replicating that. I mean, so often we're, we're taught to like not ask questions or it feels like we're taught to not ask questions. And I think that's really had a huge effect on a lot of us as we kind of move forward through our, our professional careers or whether we're in school that we're afraid to raise our hand and ask questions. But, you know, I just sit there and I, I love when my son, even though it's <laughs> it'll test your patience, too. And it really gets down to some deep stuff, because when you ask why the fifth time about a specific subject, you really start thinking really deep on maybe where like spaghetti is made or anything along those lines. So are you saying that you're asking questions yeah, or so you're we're, asking questions to them or to yourself? Well, when I, what I'm saying about is flipping those questions back on them is that I turn around and ask my son, why, why does mm. he think that this is something? And that allows me to be more engaged because I'm asking questions that are going to get him talking and, you know, the conversations can be short and sweet sometimes, but I really figure out ways that I can ask questions that allow him to continue to think because that helps me engage in more of a a meaningful conversation and keeps me away from worrying about these other things that are going on or listening to the buzzes and dings that are with that phone. But yeah, just asking those same questions back to him on why he's wondering. That's a great tool. That's a great tool for us dudes because so many times we get annoyed by our kid asking us so many questions. It's like, dad, 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 (laughs) dad, dad with a question but just to continue to go back with a cash question and then just engage in conversation versus being frustrated, not having patience or just giving one word answers. So that's cool. I like it. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's been really good. And oftentimes we'll play that around the table to where um, we'll have him ask, you know, questions of why to, to my wife. And, you know, it's, it, it creates, even though it's short conversations at times, it, it creates a good conversation. Nice. All right. So this podcast is fatherhood field notes. We're doing it right now. Just opening up your field notes, sharing your life so that we can all learn and grow together. The, the mantra behind all of it is rebel and create, you know, and it could be applied to something as small as I'm rebelling against having my phone at the dinner table to create great dinners to I'm rebelling against this, you know, status quo, blah, 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 so that I can create this life that I want. So what is something, and I think that's what we'll be digging into, you know, is this rebel and create question for you. And I've got some more questions around it, but what are you rebelling against and what do you hope to create? And then why? (laughs) Mm. So I am rebelling against the typical cultural norm of having a corporate job and what the father figure sometimes is, is projected to be of a, a financial income provider. Um, and that's not to say that going out and creating something um, that brings in stability and financial stability for your family. But, you know, I grew up in a very conservative home. I was taught to go and grab uh, that degree that was going to pay you a lot of money, climb that corporate ladder. And then by the time you retire, you've had a, a successful life. And, you know, the thing that I'm rebelling against right now is challenging the the definition of success. I think that's mm. something that we get to define. And so often it is defined as the number of zeros that you're able to bring in. I think you can do multiple things. I think success looks different for a lot of people. And you know, you can go out and create a financially successful life, but you can also go out and create 
a successful life in whatever else it is that you want to achieve. Um, so, you know, my story really goes from um, being fairly successful in the corporate HVAC commercial sales world for eight and a half years. And I always, you know, you'd hit your goal, your, your, your target you were trying to hit from sales. And then it, the next year, you know, you were expected to go, go do more. And the next year yeah. you expect to go do more. And it was just this continuous cycle that was just absolutely exhausting. And, you know, I felt it myself. I wanted it. But then I put so much value and so much time and effort into how am I going to change to be able to create these kind of numbers that I need to try and hit that ultimately that time was starting to be taken away from my family. You know, that money became the more important thing than being on that family walk around the neighborhood. Um, you know, it just, it really hit me. And then when COVID came through and stopped us in our tracks and put us back into my house where I was working from home, there were moments that I never even realized that I was missing with my three-year-old. Uh, yeah. It, it really was eye-opening to me because I could now go out instead of having a, a, a lunch with a potential prospect or client, I was now out having a picnic in the front yard, kicking the ball around. And it really just slowed me down to the point where I was like, wow, like these moments right here are 10 times more valuable to me than that paycheck. And I, I needed to have that moment to, um, kind of release from this, this grab that was a hold of me around this financial idea of going out and creating and being this father that provided financial stability for our home. And, you know, I'm very blessed to have a wife that, um, just kind of sat me down and she just, she told me your value to this family is not the number of zeros that you bring in. It's about being present with me and the boys. Hmm. And it just like, it released all of this weight off of my shoulders, knowing that it was going to be okay if I took this big leap of leaving this comfy corporate job where money was being dumped into my 401k. We had health insurance that was was fantastic, but it was just draining me from my my joy and happiness where I was just realizing that all of my joy and happiness really comes from, or a huge part of that is my family. And yeah. being present with my boys, so making that big decision to jump was 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 my way of rebelling. Dude, that's awesome. So let's let's uh, dig into this a little bit. So let me ask: Was it COVID that flipped the switch? Was it you were feeling this heavy weight, and you were the one who came to the family and was like, "I want to be present," or was there a moment where you were just so distracted by work that your wife was like, "Hey"? you need to change something. So like, which one of those is like more of the, 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 like the core trigger? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would say that it really was COVID because had I not had those moments at home where I was seeing what I was missing and not mm. even realizing it just ultimately it, it took all of, and it sounds terrible, but it, it took a lot of the the fun away that I was having at work because I was missing out on something else so much more important to me. Um, and, and that ultimately was the, the, the kicker, you know, we sat down and we prayed over this for the, for you know, many, many months during COVID and ultimately kind of got to this, this big question that, you know, if we, if we don't make this decision, would we look back in 20 years and regret it? And it was too easy of an answer of like, yeah, we would, 
regret not making this leap to to be more present, but go after, you know, we've got a couple of businesses that I've been wanting to pour my heart into a lot more. And um, it was something that I had the opportunity and a little bit of a runway to, to make this, this, this leap, but man, COVID, you know, there's a lot of terrible things going on with, with COVID, but being able to slow down and come home was ultimately that decision that made me lead to leaving. Okay. So were you, it's okay. Okay. The shutdown happens. You come home, you're still in this, like it's, you know, January, February, March, I'm going to crush it this year. I'm going to kill it this year. I'm going to smoke the other guys who are in sales. So you're Mm -hmm. grinding. Right. And then all of a sudden, Hey, everybody's going to be home now, go work from home. So you come home. How is it that you're not just like in front of the computer at 4am figuring out how to beat all the other dudes? Like what were the moments that you, it's like, get out of here, kids. I'm trying to make sales today we got to make sure to provide for the family versus you see your kid and you walk away from the computer, like explain deeper how you got to that point. Yeah. So my wife was pregnant when we went into this, this lockdown with our second boy. So we had actually set up a, I guess an office in our nursery that wasn't complete yet. And I was, I was waking up early to figure out what am I going to do What's my game plan? I've got to hit these numbers. Let's go, go, go. Mm -hmm. I've got the door in the nursery. It's locked. My son knows not to come in here because dad's working. You know, I was the one that was, I was up before the boys would, or I guess at that time my son was up. um, And then I was in that room with the door locked, um, working until, you know, noon before I would come out and, you know, spend 30 minutes to an hour having lunch. And then I'd go back in and work from, you know, 1231 o'clock to five or five 30. And it was interesting as those times were, were moving on, the days were going by that lunch hour got longer and longer because I was having so much more fun. How are you able to turn it off? So you're, you're, you're (laughs) in your grind, right? Cause I know like I'll walk out the office and you know, you didn't just like happen to finish all your work at noon. You know, there's stuff to come back to. So how'd you turn that off? and then go and be present? Or did you not turn it off? And then magically there was an emotional switch. You know, I don't think it was magical. You know, it's it's definitely something I carry with me. You know, my mind is one that's always, always running to figure out, you know, what can I always do to make it better? What can I always Mm -hmm. do? So it's hard for me to ever really shut that off. But I, I, I mean, honestly, man, I think it was really just coming to the point where I was enjoying what I was doing so much more than sitting in there trying to be beat the next person or make yep. that next sale that, you know, it just, I, I can't say that it was an overnight switch by any means, but it was just, you know, we're going to do things that we enjoy. And, you know, time flies when you're having fun. And all of a sudden I was spending an hour outside kicking the ball around instead of 30 minutes. And then it was an hour and a half. Yeah. And then when was your wife, when was your baby born? What month? He was born in May, May 12th. Okay. So cool. So there's kind of this like catalyst there too. So before baby comes, had you already said to your wife, like, I think I want to be done doing what I'm doing or was it after baby was born? Um, it was definitely after baby was, was born that we ultimately made the decision. I would say the, the rumblings were starting to maybe have like I can't even say they're real conversations, but just like these ideas that, you know, I was talking to my wife of like, man, I really enjoyed doing like being out here with you guys, walking around, going to the park. And it just like, it really started to come to fruition. Like shortly after, you know, Vinny was born that it just felt like it was the right decision to make. And I was talking with uh, some people the other day 
and like this, this difference between ease and easy, you know, hmm. so many times people will sit there and think about like, you know, they want to take the easy path because it's maybe uh, less challenging and, you know, it's never as fruitful or anything along those lines, but then, you know, they talk about this ease and it was a decision that me quitting my, my job, I had, I knew it was not going to be easy. I wasn't making a choice. I was like, this is going to be the easy decision. But I did have this ease that mm. I knew I was making the right decision. You know, I don't know what the future looks like by any means because I'm in this grind right now as we speak. But my decision was it brought so much ease and peace to what we were doing that, you know, all of this fear and all of this, um, you know, what are we ever going to do if something happens? Like it just went away and we started like brainstorming on ways like if something were to happen, there are so many options out there for us. But I know right now in this moment that I want to be more present with my boys, that I will give up whatever it is to have those moments. And uh, yeah, I just kind of sit there on that, that idea of like the decision was not easy, but I am at peace and at ease with this decision that I had made. Hmm. How many conversations do you have to have with your wife to make this decision? <laughs> Surprisingly, you know, there were, there were some moments where she was like, I was just waiting for you to come out of that, that nursery and just say I'd quit that day. Cause it, oh, yeah. it got to the point where it was very, um, I was just, I was done. Like it was, it was over for me. And I just kind of had to wait out that time, but we had to have lots of conversations. This was not yeah. a, a rash decision. This was something that we thought about for, for a while. And, you know, I didn't, you know, we started maybe having conversations early at the year or someone was born in May. I didn't walk away until middle of September. So it was, you know, it was seven, eight months before we pulled this trigger so it seems like it was a strategically thought out. It wasn't a rash decision. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there was, um, you know, I, I think oftentimes people can, you know, I've had a lot of people reach out to me um, since I've quit and they're asking me about like, you know, what are you going to do? How are you going to do all this stuff? Aren't you scared about, you know, providing for your family and boys and all this like all these negative things and basically getting down to the point where like, this is such an irresponsible decision that you've made because you've got two boys to, to care for and a wife to provide for. And the thing is with it, like, I don't see it as an irresponsible decision. Like it was very calculated. We knew what we needed to create. And again, going back to that ease, like I knew that even if I fall flat on my face during this time and aren't able to pick it back up, there are so many opportunities to go out and, you know, go and create a little bit of income that's going to help us get to the point. But if I know what my end goal is in life, I got so clear on what I wanted to achieve, not only for my professional uh, professional career, but as a husband and as a father, that there was no changing what I was going to go out and do. I just hope that it's the story that I've written in my head versus, you know, maybe stumbling a little bit, having to divert a little bit. Cause you know, I like to know what my schedule is going to look like. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. So as you've made this calculated decision, how do you stay focused on that? Right. So you've told this story. Is there anything that you do um, like ritually daily, weekly to remind yourself of where you're headed? Um, and also not fall into, okay, I'm going to work 80 hours a week on this so that then 
next year I have more time with you. Now I do think there's seasons of that, which is okay. Yep. But kind of where are you at with that? Because you're clearly working on a couple projects. Maybe you want to share what those are to give some context. But how really the question is, how do you stay in tune with the story of why you left and what you're wanting to create? Yeah, yeah. So the biggest thing for me is, is starting my day with a, a daily journal that really gets into it. And there's a high performance journal that I've been uh, doing for the last few years. And nice. it really helps uh, frame like, what are the things that I do want to accomplish? What are the things that um, you know I'm moving towards, but maybe are not able to, to make that happen, but it has your goals on there as well. Nice. So I know what I want to create from a financial perspective in a passive income realm, which is going to allow me that freedom of time to be more present with my family and do the things that I want to do. But a big piece of that is literally writing down what I want to accomplish by the end of the month. And mm. sometimes those are sometimes those are big goals. And if I can reach them, that's fantastic. Sometimes I don't. And that's okay too. Um, but there's there's a section on there that talks about, you know, what are the three things you want to accomplish? And what I'd previously always written before I had made this jump was three things that were very career driven, only career driven. And since I have made this, this jump and with this mindset that I have of being a, a, a more present father, two of the things that I write down every day is being a more Christ-like leader in those that I interact with. Mm. And then the second one is being an effective husband and father. So Every single day, there are two things that help me frame exactly what I want to accomplish for the day of the three top three things. And those are the first two that I write down every day. The third one, it can kind of be variable. And oftentimes that is something to do with the career. But um, that's what helps me stay focused on, you know, not falling back into now. Now I'm a father that stays home and works 80 hours a week versus a father that goes to an office and works 80 hours a week. That's what I have to put in there to make sure that I stay away from falling back into that. But then we've also created very, very big boundaries around, you know, dad's work hours and non-work hours so that, mm. you know, my son knows that I'm going to come downstairs at 830 and I'm going to work till about 1130. And then from 1130 to 130, it is, it's go time. It's lunchtime. It's playtime. We're going to hang out. I'm going to shut it down. And then from 1.30 to about four o'clock, we'll, uh, I'll go back down and we'll continue to work. And then, you know, at four o'clock, one of the things that I love the most, you know, if it's nice outside, we'll go for a family walk. And that like helps me kind of detox from the work environment, release a lot of that stuff that's maybe in my head and be active and engaged with my family at that time. And it just helps transition from that, that work dad to dad. Yeah. Dude, really good tools and insight there, you know, to be able to say, yeah, it's possible to shut it down in the middle of the day, you know, depending on your kids' ages, right? You've designed your schedule to meet your season of life. Yes. Right? Yes. And, and um, so that's really powerful. Love it. Um, question. Okay. So not to get too much in the weeds, but as people are listening and going like, oh man, I would love to quit and go start my other thing that I've been dreaming about. How ready were you financially to leap? Like, did you have to cut your lifestyle to some level by making this decision? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we let, we lived a, a, a pretty comfy life and we've always had whatever we needed and most of the time, whatever we wanted. Yep. 
And knowing that this decision was going to put a financial burden on our family, it was something that my wife and I had to come into an agreement. We cut a lot of places. You know, there were some non-negotiable areas that we we would not cut uh, what we were spending on, but there are a lot of areas that we knew and came together as a, a team and a family to say, all of these are wants and we can cut these out. And the reason that we did that you know, we've got to go out and create these these two businesses that we're trying to operate to cover our expenses. And the yep. more we can lower our expenses, that's going to allow us to reach that goal a lot quicker. So, yeah. so I mean, anything, it took a lot of planning. Yeah. So what's one thing that you had to cut out? Like what's one thing that Mitch, is, is there something you could think of that you cut out by making this decision? Yeah. So there was, there was an area and you know, there's a, there's a book out there and I, I forget, uh, profit first. I don't know if you've heard of that book. Uh-uh, I haven't profit first. So one of the things that they talk about, and this is one of the best things we did for our marriage was with every paycheck that came in, a small percentage would go into our own personal spending accounts. So whatever my wife wanted to spend money on, uh, no questions asked, you could use the money that was in her, her personal spending account and go and buy whatever she wanted. Same thing for me. We, uh, we had to decide to get rid of those accounts. So that, mm. that spending money was really no longer for us personally. We do still get a little bit, but we're talking about pennies compared to what it was before. So being able to sacrifice on doing the things that we wanted to do, like if, if I want to go out to eat or I'm, I didn't plan my day to go grab lunch from the groceries that we had in the refrigerator, I'm going to have to go swipe my card from my personal account if I want to go get a burrito from Chipotle. But also on the flip side of, I like to read a lot. Now, sometimes I can go and buy some books um, through our business or whatnot, but others that are just like pure joy for me to read, you know, I, I got to use those for my own personal spending account. And, you know, that's that's dwindled now. Yeah. Um, I'm in a point right now where I had to give up a lot of the things that were, were kind of nice for us to to buy and, you know, sacrifice that now because we know our vision in the long term is to have, uh, have all of us more present and you know, I'm willing to give up a lot of those things that I had before to, to make that happen. Yeah. That's good. I just think it's good for people to hear like, yeah, we didn't just have a bunch of cash just to be able to just go chill forever. (laughs) It's like, this is a big decisions we're making and there's never really a right decision or a right time to make the decision. Um, so, you know, at a certain point you just gotta, you just gotta, gotta do it. Gotta take that leap. Yeah. I gotta jump. Um, Let me see here. I got a couple more thoughts for you. Just thinking about that decision, how much information did you need? How much information did you need before you took that leap? Information about what? Like, okay, we're going to do these two businesses. We're going to quit this uh, corporate job where we're making good money. Like how much information do you need? Cause you're a planner, you're strategic, you know, at a certain point there, y- you don't have all the information. You just never do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I needed at least a half written story of what I knew was going to, you know, kind of project what so we when could you potentially do with these businesses. So when you say story, a story of like, okay, I think this company is going to be running at X dollars per year and it's going to have Y profits per year. And it's going to be, do that by, you know, three years from now. Is that the story? Right. Right. Yeah. Just putting projections on what we saw from 12 months, 24 months, and even further out. Uh, so writing that perform of what we can, we can expect that these businesses can potentially create, you know, it's all, you know, we still got to do the work to go and make that happen. But for me, what gave me kind of that piece was using the data that we had already had from what we've done in the past 
and knowing that I can put X amount of more hours into that, this is what we project that we can create through this. And that, you know, being able to write through that and understand like, this is that breaking point for us. Like that tells me how much runway we need and uh, we're going to go out and create that. And then how much input does your wife want to have on that? So when you're like, we're going to make, you know, X dollars in, you know, 2025, is she like, oh yeah, cool. And walk moves on. Or does she want to know the details, dig in? Like, what's that look like between the two of you? So she is pretty laid back when it comes to the financial side of things. Uh, you know, what we agreed to uh, when we got married was always sharing and everything that we were going to be doing. So um, I keep her up to speed on where we're at and she gets to hear the good, bad and the ugly too. Like on the days that, you know, I'm really struggling, she's a rock for me. On uh, the really good days, we get to jump and joy and celebrate, but always keeping my wife up to speed with where we're at and those projections and that story that we had kind of written from the beginning is something that we've always just you know, we've got a, a, a relationship that we can have those honest conversations. And it's good to have those conversations too, because it puts some checks and balances on me so that I don't fabricate a story. I tell that to somebody else and then that we can look at it together and make sure that we're staying on track. Do you guys have a standing meeting or is it, you know, just kind of come up as it comes up? Um, I wouldn't say we have a standing meeting. I mean, with two boys running around, it's it's really hard to put anything on. The, uh, most of the times after the boys go to bed, we, we find a couch just to kind of decompress. But, you know, one of the books that I had heard by listening to your podcast was The Seven Secrets of Effective Fathers was mm. um, was the loving your spouse side of things. And um, in that section of that book, they talked about, you know, setting up date nights and everything, but checking in. And oftentimes, like, especially during these times of COVID, it's hard for us to have like that date night where we go out and do something along those right. lines. But, but oftentimes it's just us knowing that we're going to shut it down. We're not yeah. going to turn the TV on and we're going to, we're going to talk. And yes, during this season of life that we're in, we do probably talk a lot about business, um, just trying to keep up keep her up to speed with where we're at and her asking questions so that she knows where we're at as well from her own perspective. But I would say like, those are kind of those standing meetings is where we'll, we'll, we'll talk about business for a little bit on maybe some of those date nights, but i um, trying not to dwell on it too much because we gotta, we gotta stay connected um, ourselves to make sure that we're, we're enjoying what we're doing and being the best we can for our boys. Yeah, totally. So, okay. And I just think it's important to point out to everybody, you made your leap away from your, your corporate job in September and we're in November now. Yes. So has it, have you had any moments yet where you're like, oh my gosh, what did I do? Or not yet? Or do you not foresee that? (laughs) I definitely foresee it. Um, I've not had any moments where I've gotten to the point where I was just in complete disarray. Yeah. You know, the things that hurt most, I would say is, um, you know, the opportunities that I I thought were going to go through that, that fall. Mm. And, you know, it's hard for me to say like, man, I was really counting on that. That was part of our projection and it did not happen. Like I can beat myself up over that a lot. And, you know, I was talking to my wife again just the other night and she said, you got to quit with that self doubt because if you allow that to keep going inside of you, it's just going to eat at yourself. Like you've won won so many other areas right now with this business and what you're trying to create and that you sit there and dwell on that one loss, like get back up and go out there and do it again. Because I see the actions that you are doing daily to make sure that you're continuous to move this forward. So don't dwell on those things that, um, that hurt for a little bit. So, you know, it, it's definitely not the, uh, 
what have I done? What am I thinking scenario yet? I've, I'm blessed to have several, um, you know, mentors and advisors around me that, you know, I'm able to bounce ideas off of. And I've told them like, there's going to be, I know this day is going to come. I've heard from everybody that has made this leap at one point or another been like, they hit that point where they're just like, what, what did I do? Did I make this huge mistake? And I want to be prepared for it. Uh, but at the same time, I don't want to focus on that either because it will eat me up if I do sit there and focus on, on what that might look like. Yeah. So a couple of things you said. So what's your wife's name? Emma. Emma. Well, first it's clearly she's super encouraging, right? And so she's bought into the story. So I think that's powerful. If a dude's going to take a leap like this, you know, at some level, yes, say, you know what, I've got this, I'm going to get it done. I'm going to take care of it. And cause you're building this foundation of, of trust, right? Right. Right. So you have to have the confidence as the dude, if you're going to do that, but at the same time to, to, to be open and honest and, you know, have that relationship with your spouse that they're going to be trusting and encouraging, um, around that. Uh, and then also just to side note is the mentors is like having people to speak in your life. And you made a really good comment that you don't fabricate a story to yourself. I think a lot of men, either in the corporate job or running their own business, they are not accountable to anybody. So mm. they fabricate a story. And then before you know it, just stuff falls apart. Yeah. So, yeah. so the one thing I would ask, and, and we could you know, we'll wrap this up in a minute, but the one thing I would ask is how, I mean, obviously Emma's incredible and just a great encourager, <laughs> but how have the two of you built a relationship of trust because I think that that's a really powerful key for people. If they want to grow in life, you know, to have that partner that you can be honest and open with. A lot of that stems back pretty early into our marriage. And we read a book called the five love languages. Okay. Um, and that really helped us understand how we can show love to each other and how we receive love from one another and being able to read through that book and understand exactly what it is that makes her feel loved in those moments, I can use those moments to make sure that she feels safe and that she knows that my, like I have her best interests in mind. Being able to, and I, trust me, I fail at this all the time because her, her love language is the one that is the opposite of, of mine. And it's, it's a challenge every single day. But as we continue to learn about each other, it allows us to be vulnerable. It allows us to be authentic with our communication. And it has allowed us to have, you know, we, we, we have our, our disputes and everything, but every single time that we've had any of those disputes, we're able to understand and know, like we know each other's buttons and it, we make sure that we know we're not going to be pushing those buttons as we're having that conversation. So just having these authentic conversations, these um, you know, knowing what her love languages are, I believe has really helped us to understand who each other are and build that trust to the point that we can talk about anything and know that we've got each other's back. Uh, so from the very, very early point in our marriage of uh, being fortunate enough to read that book has really set a foundation for us and just how grounded we are in each other that we can come to each other with anything because our trust by learning from each other's best moments and worst moments, um, that's allowed us to have these conversations. And then that's when bringing this whole conversation to her of like, I want to quit. Like you said, like if I didn't have her support and her trust that I could achieve this, you know, there would be a lot of battles going on in our yeah, family right tough. now. It'd be yeah. tough. I mean, she would have doubt 
And she is the one that has the least amount of doubt. I would say I have doubt sometimes Mm. on what I'm creating. And she is the one that's saying, no, I I believe in you. Yeah. Like how amazing is that? Yeah, that's amazing. So something you said though, is you said you, you guys are still learning about each other. So I think that if us dudes can just take that into our mind, like, okay, yeah, you've been married five years. You're still learning about each other, but wait a second. You have two little kids, a baby and a toddler at the house. So you're still saying we want to learn about each other, which you said allows you to be vulnerable with each other. So I think at any stage of life to know that you can continue to learn about the other person is a pretty beautiful thing to to keep in your mind as a dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's down to learning from looks when I know that she's exhausted with the babies to uh, <laughs> um, learning the things that bring her a lot of joy as well. Uh, it's yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know you believe in this as, as well, Ned, that just, you know, learning is a, a lifelong thing and yes. it's not necessarily personal development skills that we need to always be learning, but you know, whether it's vocabulary, whether that's uh, the things that we love about our children and down to the point of learning about our wives, because the day that I met my wife or the day that she met me, I am a completely different person mm. than I was that day. And yeah. you know, we've got to be able to learn with them as we all change because my wife is a completely different person and I've loved her more so as the person that she has become than when we first met. Yeah, dude, that's so good. It's so good. Uh, I think that that is definitely a perspective that us dudes need to to keep at the forefront of our minds. Um, if we want to build long-term legacy, which leads me to my last question for you, you know, you've got two young boys and, and maybe some others that will be uh, along <laughs> one day. But say 30 years from now, you're standing out on the streets, peering into the homes of your boys and maybe mm. they're exactly where you're at today, right? Yeah, they're yeah. making big decisions. They're loving a spouse. They're learning how to be with their children. What is it that you see looking from the outside in that you know your day in, day out decisions um, are the legacy that you've imparted into them? Man, that is such a deep and powerful question. You know, the legacy that I I definitely want uh, for my boys is to know that some of the decisions that I, I've made have been for them, so that they can live a life that um, is going to be better than than what I've created, and give them that that leap or that head start. But off of the foundation of of just pure love for them and for their their mom. Like mm. this decision um, has not been easy, but I want them to know that every decision that my wife and I ever made in our family was based around the fact that, is this going to show our boys love? Are they going to feel loved? And that's going to go down to their spouses as well. Like the idea that I'm looking into my kid's home and if I can look through that window and peer in there and just see smiles and laughs and a family that, you know, they've all they would have their challenges, but know that every decision that they were making was going to be based off of the foundation of love um, to show love for themselves and respect for them themselves. Like that's going to bring me so much joy, man. Yeah. That would be a fun, fun day, man. That's so good. Yeah. Mitch, I've so enjoyed talking fatherhood with you and that you would be open, you know, in this big transition that you're in to share it, you know, cause I think there's a lot of dudes in it, a lot of dudes who would like to make a big decision yeah. And for them to hear where you're at and how you made that decision and um, the stage that you're in in life and still making a leap like this, I think it's powerful and possible. 
And I think that, yes. that uh, you know, it'll be great to continue to watch what you do um, just to see the success you have. And again, like you said at the beginning, not necessarily the success of the, the dollar signs, but the success of, of a family that is tight, that is thinking about legacy long term. Mm. So, bro, keep doing yes. what you're doing, loving Thanks, your spouse man. and your kids and um, stoked to get to know you. Thanks, Ned. I've, I've enjoyed it, man. Appreciate it. Hey, real quick before we go, if people want to reach out to you, is that all right? And then what's the best way for them to do that? This has been one of the most liberating decisions I have ever made. And if I can be a resource for somebody else that's maybe in the, the thick of that, like I want to be that. I want to be that sounding board because I've had other people do that for me that helped me make this final decision. Um, so yeah, so anybody that wants to reach out to to do something along those lines of getting in touch and chatting over a Zoom call or whatever that may look like, even our just picked up a phone call over the lunch hour to chat with you and it was a huge impact. Like I want to be that resource for other people. Two different ways that you would be able to reach me is uh, one, just reaching out on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on there and you can find me by just putting my name in there. I'm located in Kansas City. Um, the other one, you can shoot me an email at mitchc at morethanamealco.com. And, you know, once we uh, are able to connect, you know, shoot a message and let me know how we're getting connected through this podcast so I can make sure I can return the love to Ned that, uh, uh, we've made something outside of just the podcast that he's created. Right on, man. That's awesome. What a rad conversation. I so enjoyed just talking to Mitch, hearing about his life, and especially him just opening up to where he's at, you know, because it's such early stages to making a really big decision, but it, it was very calculated. And to be able to hear that, I think, is encouraging for us dudes who are thinking about making a leap. And you know what? If you are, I mean, reach out to me, reach out to Mitch, reach out to somebody and have that conversation. Dudes, want to be there for other dudes you just got to reach out you just got to ask so check it out you know every monday i put out the fatherhood field notes podcast interviewing great dads if you're interested in a shorter podcast i put one out every friday falls in the same spot under rebel and create but i call it craft of fatherhood and it'll be shorter where i'll discuss a question right now i am doing a four-part series on core values in the home check that out you can actually get a free guide on how i created core values in my own home and that's at rebelandcreate.com you can go check that out. Hey, thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, What You Do Matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned. Shout together. Let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. Talk to you next time. Thank you.